How do you live your life like tomorrow matters? Perhaps you're already growing food, consuming less, connecting with your community. Perhaps you're already thinking hard, keen to see the world a little slower, greener, healthier. But where to begin? Here on the Future Studying Podcast, we dig deep into the hearts and minds of blissfully normal people doing bloody amazing things, unearthing their moments of contradiction, their hopes and fears for the future, and what galvanises them to action, in the name of inspiring all of us to do a little more in shaping a better future today. I'm Katie. And I'm Jade. And this is Future Studying. Okay, I have pressed record and you're good to go. So here we are with a commitment to being as practical as we can possibly be with our shorties that sit in between the interviews of our amazing people every other week. Um, And we thought the the best place to start with some of those would be to share some of the books and films and other resources that we've come across on our travels that have really helped kind of consolidate and send us further along our journey of, of understanding how to live this kind of conscious life that we're committed to living. Obviously, we'll put all of the things that we talk about today in our show notes because we're going to move pretty quickly. We've both got a fairly substantial list of amazing authors and books and films to go through. But um, yeah, hopefully this will give you a bit of a starting point. I get asked a lot about a few particular genres and primarily that would be around farming. So I'll talk about that at the very end. But um, in the meantime, Katie, let's hit you up. What does your list look like? Well, before I get to my list, I just wanted to start by saying how much I value all the random shit I read and watch and listen to that doesn't necessarily relate to being a good homesteader or being more regenerative. Anything that's going to help me just have a better perspective on the world and have a more fleshed out view of things and just appreciate differences of opinions. And I really have to push myself to read outside my comfort zone But I find when I do, it's really rewarding. And even if it feels completely off the topic, there's still a lot of value in those texts. It's good to be challenged and have diversity, even in the ideas that you're consuming as well. Yeah, that is a great analogy. I really feel the same. And the other thing with that is that when you're reading it, if it's here in your own bed at night, you know, it feels kind of safe. It doesn't really matter if you don't agree with it. You're not going to throw the ball across the room. Well, maybe you are. But what it does is it gives you this ability to really sit and chew and ponder mm. someone else's perspective without it feeling antagonistic or aggressive or argumentative. Yeah. And I want to say one other thing too. Um, no matter how you absorb your knowledge, sometimes, um, you know, you might have a book club or you might have, you know, a film group or you might have a partner like me who inhales books. He's mildly addicted and there would be one that comes every other week. And I probably take an interest in about every fourth, fifth book that arrives. But what I've discovered over the years is that I have this in-depth understanding of where some of the knowledge pods sit. So even if I haven't read the book, I've had enough conversations with him to know that if I go to a particular book that I've talked to him about in in passing fleetingly, that's where there will be more knowledge about that. So if for some reason I become really interested in soil health, I know that there's a whole range of things. So it's sometimes really handy to have one or two mates or your partner 
or someone else in the family that is reading a slightly different genre to you so that you can all share your notes. That's so true. And it's like having crib notes. You know, you can just ask. George is really similar. He just devours all manner of things and then just distills it into one pithy sentence for me. And I think, great, thanks for reading that book for me and furnishing me with the knowledge that now I can go and make myself feel really (laughs) smart. (laughs) So, all right. Without having to endure the 800 pages. I know. Okay, so I'm going to fire off my favourite thinker and author of the current times, um, just to get us started, Charles Eisenstein. And I think we've talked about him before. But the reason I want to start with him is because he just sets this scene and, oh, my God, I can't even do him justice with um, a spiel. So he's talking about the world and the future and life as we know it and the and economics and the, and climate change and he's written a brilliant essay on um, the coronavirus called the coronation but he is this thinker he goes totally beyond even the sound bites that we we get behind you know about climate change and whatever and he asks the bigger questions you know around how do we solve these issues not from the place that we created them so climate change how do we stop talking about the numbers and doing that quantification thing that might have us repeating the same mistakes and trying to measure the benefits of an ecosystem or a plant or put everything into this really scientific and objective measurable sense and how do we move beyond that and just have a reverential relationship with the world so he has just blown my mind and I'm going to just leave it at that and really urge people to explore his work because he basically has given me permission to really think a lot bigger than I previously was thinking and Changed my life, man. (laughs) Do you know, that's led me to think about the fact that people get themselves on a journey and when you first start on your journey to sort of evolving the way you live and the way we interact culturally and, and the way we participate in things broader than us, I feel like when you start, what you need are really practical, tangible tools to take you along your way. And as you go further and further into the understanding that everything is connected and understanding that we're part of a whole system, you get to the point where you no longer need to just be reading about food systems, but what you actually need to be reading about is, you know, cultural connection and holistic decision-making and, you know, whole system processes. And so I feel like um, there will be a scale that is appropriate to you at different times in your journey. And I'm surrounded at the moment by piles and piles of books while I'm writing my own book. Oh, my God. As I'm sitting here, I'm looking at there are literally 16 books in front of me piled up. And I don't know that I could – and I'm sitting in our library where we have a whole wall of books. So you know that wall. You've you've flicked through it. It's amazing. What you've just explained then is someone who has changed your life and could potentially change other people's lives, but you've kind of got to be ready for them, don't mm-hmm. you? Because if that's you pick very, a book up very true. that is at a stage that's ahead of where you're at, it can actually overwhelm and daunt you and make you feel like actually that's not how you think. But in fact, it is. You're getting there. You're just not quite there yet in that's your a really evolution. Good point. Yeah, very true. Um, I reckon. I reckon I sit about three years behind Charlie, for example, mm. in my knowledge consumption and I consume things very differently I listen to podcasts because what I'd rather do is is be able to go for a walk and listen to someone's thoughts 
erratically spiralling, whereas he <laughs> earnestly follows the written word and from left to right on a page and he writes notes and he, he records and he rereads. And so we all have a different way of absorbing and we need things at a different time. So I don't know. I, I think yeah. um, if I was to pick one book, so you're, you just picked your one book, didn't you? Well, my one thinker. Your one thinker. Well, then if, you, if we're going to talk about thinkers, I would talk about a guy called David Fleming who has written a book called Surviving the Future, Culture, Carnival and Capital in the Aftermath of the Market Economy. Of all of the books we've got in our shelves, it's possibly the one that talks most holistically about the system that we are part of, the patterning instincts that we have followed, the journey that it has taken us to get to where we're at, and it looks at it in a way that doesn't just compartmentalise culture, carnival and capital, but actually mushes them all together and explains that you can't have one without the other and actually the sum of the parts is what makes the world that we live in richer than it would be otherwise. I want to read you really quickly and I was going to read this for another little chat we were going to have but I'm going to read it now. He says, at present culture is decorative rather than structural. Although it may lift the spirits, these rings are no longer wings to fly but merely vans to beat the air. And that's sort of the tone of the whole book, really. And, look, I would recommend that that's something that you work towards reading. I reckon I'm a, maybe a quarter or a half of the way through it. Charlie has read it twice and kind of, as you said, succinctly put it all into one-sentence pieces so that I can absorb it. So I feel like I've absorbed it through that process, but I haven't actually read the words. It's pretty slow going, but, wow, it's in the process of changing my life too sounds like it might be challenging or bringing to your attention some of the underlying maybe assumptions we have around life or definitions of things and I love when books do that and they just flip something on its head that you might have just taken for granted previously or never really thought about before yeah yeah completely completely Mm. you know there's some other really practical ones though that I want to talk about and you can't you know, I homestead and um, now I'm writing a book called Future Steading and this podcast is called Future Steading. And so what we kind of stand for is an ability to not be so earnest, which perhaps that David Fleming book is, and to find other ways to be inspired by things. And I would be um, amiss if I didn't acknowledge the Grown and Gathered books. So there's two of those. Actually, I think you bought me one of them, The Village. They have an absolutely massive range of knowledge that has just been dumped into them for you to pick and choose as you need and as you're ready and it's beautifully put together and their knowledge is vast and their understanding of kind of whole system thinking is worthwhile so they're definitely mm. excellent milkwood have also got a book out so milkwood are permaculture mm-hmm. permacultural educators and you gave us that book jade one for one <laughs> i did not do that intentionally <laughs> But, um, it is now our Bible. <laughs> and in fact, we bloody eat off that thing it's like with us constantly. <laughs> in your, your nimble, minimalist life. Actually, we'll have Kirsten on the show. So she's actually coming on to chat with us. But they have, rather than doing what uh, Grown and Gathered have done and what I'm doing, they're not being jack of all trades. They've actually deep dive, really deep dived on five different mm. topics. Uh, mushrooms, foraging, wild food, beekeeping, uh, there's one more and I haven't got it in front of me. But seaweed? Seaweed, well done. Oh, yeah, there you go. You know it. Um, that is... <laughs> Ask me. I'll quote any page. <laughs> 
that's magnificent. That's that's a really great read. You know, there's some other really simple, fresh, uncomplicated ones like Alex Stewart's Low Tox Life. You know, if you just want to, if you're just at the start of your journey and you really just want to strip back to the things that kind of matter and you want to stop consuming and contributing to the the consumption existence um, while also supporting your family to, to strip all of the chemicals out of your system, low-tox life is great. It's really easy to read, really easy to consume and really readily available. It's, it's a current book at the moment, so that's yeah. fantastic. There's um, There's... You know, we could do a whole series. In fact, I might hit Charlie up because he has this in-depth encyclopedia in his brain of the references that all of his books can lead him to or the questions that all the books can lead him to answering. But there's a few really key ones. He's a bit like you. He says it's not just about reading the particular topic but actually looking at, at things more uh, holistically. The mm. Biggest Estate on Earth by Bill Gamage is a really good foundation oh. book. Brilliant. And so yeah. too is Dark Emu. Yes. And, yeah, speaking about um, in some way having an iota of understanding and empathy with Australia's Aboriginal people, um, I picked up a book very, very randomly on the shelf of a house sit that I was doing last year and I couldn't think of the name of the author and I will put it in the show notes, but it was called Dr. Wuretti's Prescription for Enduring the End of the World and it was written by an Aboriginal man and it's kind of a historical fiction about the plight of Aboriginals on um, Bruny Island in Tassie and the way that it was written, not being a textbook, not being um, this fact-finding thing, it was fiction and it was uh, interwoven with Aboriginal culture and their way of seeing and it actually made me feel like for once I had a mm. patch of understanding and so that kind of thing even if it's not that particular book but reading kind of works of fiction and appreciating art from um, our first peoples I think is a step forward in connecting with them and thinking how do we how do we move forward in a really yeah <laughs> in that's some a really way. good point a really good point uh, if we wanted to talk about regenerative farming, I, we've had the question maybe three times in slightly different wording, but over the last week where people have said, if I could just have one book recommended to me that was the regenerative farming Bible, what would it be? There kind of isn't one. In fact, there definitely isn't one. But there are a few really key books that kind of kick you in that direction one of them um, is definitely Restoration Agriculture by Mark Shepherd. So it's called Real World Permaculture for Farmers. And it's really, he uses the framework of permaculture and he says this is actually how we could be considering farming because it, it de-silos you, it looks at the system holistically, it allows you to be practical as well as kind of yield-focused um, He's an American author, but it's well and truly got the ability to be applicable globally. Um, and, yeah, so that's definitely a cracker. Uh, Mycorrhizal Planet, and I've talked about Michael Phillips in a couple of other pods that we've done because he wrote The Holistic Orchard, and so for us as orchardists, he, he's kind of created the Bible. But And his wife created The Herbalist Way. They're based in... Vermont but uh, he has written a book called Mycorrhizal Planet and like the name suggests he talks about the importance and the growing understanding that we now have that fungis have in our growing environment and how we need to nurture and manage that uh, rather than fumigate that 
Um, there's a couple of others really, really quickly that I will list. Uh, the carbon farming solution and the bio-integrated farm. So both of those are Chelsea Green publications. I would recommend, actually, of all the publication houses on the globe, Chelsea Green have got this ability to kind of nail regenerative thinking in the publications and the titles that they put out. So I would jump onto the Chelsea Green website or Facebook page and just keep abreast of what what publications they're putting out because they've got an incredible range. Yeah. Um, I remember reading The Soil and Health by Sir Albert Howard when I was in um, Woofing in Tasmania, freezing my nipples off in a little outhouse um, in between my farming adventures. And that really solidified the appreciation of the soil and all its wondrous glory. For someone who hadn't really fully sunk my teeth and hands and all other appendages into the soil as this foundation of pretty much everything we do. And I know a lot of people are on board with that already, but the way that Sir Albert Howard expresses that in this absolute tome is really quite inspirational. And it was back in the 70s or something when people weren't really making the connection between soil and plants and nutrition and people's behaviour and so that's a really good one just to get you really excited yeah. about. Actually, yeah. that has just made me realise that I haven't talked about Michael Pollan's The Omnivore's Dilemma. Yeah. You know, that's foundational mm-hmm. too. If you're ever wondering where your food came from and why we need to seriously consider and fast a change to our industrial food system, read that. Because that he writes, he's, oh, brilliant he's brilliant and he writes in such a way that he can turn a whole chapter about corn (laughs) into something that's really captivating and interesting so he writes beautifully and it's a really good foundation one and also oh my god I can't believe I didn't think to say this earlier um it's been out for a couple of years now but it truly is the bible and that's the reason I haven't got it here you were saving it for last (laughs) I am because we're nearly at the end I know what you're gonna say I wonder if if we said it at the same time would we get the same one anyway (laughs) Three, two, one, retro suburbia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, without doubt, that has to be the ultimate Bible for anyone that's wanting to look at subtle to massive shifts in the way we live and the way our world functions. He, you know, he's Australian, so we're a little bit um, parochial and, and proud of him, but. You know, he has got the most incredible way of explaining all of the little teeny tiny things, right from his explanation of Aussie Street, which is mm-hmm. explaining this pretend street that exists through the ages and how it's actually evolved and, and become what it could be, uh, through to practical things like how you build your house facing towards the sun and how you consider your water runoff and where you put your chickens down to how you are forced to have practical conversations that are kind of hard. It's about 400 pages. It's an A4-sized book. It's a big book. Um, it's He's published it himself, so you can only get it through the Milkwood, not Milkwood, um, Meliodora Wholesale, mm. Meliodora Online, I think they're called. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's David Holmgren, and that truly, we are so lucky to have to call him an Australian, and for him to be speaking, especially for those of us that are in Victoria, to be speaking from a very localized perspective, and how we yeah. adapt our suburban environments to be retrofitted to create what will be ultimately a permanent culture of ongoing mm. humanity. 
It's without doubt the, the best book and that's a good place to finish.